No, 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 like he mentally broke, right? Have you seen that? Like, you know what? I'm Ben Affleck. I've won an Oscar. Fuck y'all. And welcome to the (laughs) Down in Front podcast. (laughs) We are joined tonight (laughs) to talk about what might be a movie that's important for generations. Could provide a deep social message. I thought you were just going to stop with a movie. <laughs> what yeah. might be a movie? Like, Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we don't know if it actually is any of those things until we actually talk about it and review it, which the movie tonight will be Pacific's Rim Uprising. But before we get into that, I do want to introduce who is joining me tonight. Um, to my left, this guy might be one of the most handsome podcasters ever or he might not be we don't know yet but we know he plays a mean guitar mike blew at the shredder oh How you doing? whoa <laughs> brylan coming in here with the sith dealing in absolutes only is or is not uh what's happening fellas wow and what? ladies the ladies out there all the ladies out all there. the lady aka warren's mom hey Wow, bro. All right. <laughs> okay. Go on. Proceed. I, no, we said that because she's a nice lady. Yeah, exactly. That was nothing but respect. Um, oh, yeah. What you dis- been drinking? Disrespect yeah, to you, of course, but not to your mother. Of course. <laughs> Wouldn't have any other as, way, my As is tradition. Uh, I've got some uh, whiskey and uh, I think it's like some old time Irish whiskey. I think it's literally the name on the bottle, uh, but I kind of forget. I've been uh, slow drinking it over the past couple of weeks, and it's it's pretty solid. It's good, just wind down drink. Um, what I've been watching, uh, nothing apparently, because I missed the Love Simon one. Um, but I am doing my Avengers rewatch, where I'm doing a every movie uh, leading up to Infinity War one a week, and that was supposed to start in January, January first. And uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I pretty much took like February off um, going to see Black Panther a million times, uh, which, by the way, I th- I'm pretty sure I read a statistic saying that I think it was 40 percent of all tickets sold in 2018 were tickets to Black Panther, <laughs> which is just a ludicrous. That's, that's and, and, awesome. And isn't Pacific Rim the movie that like finally dethroned it? Here we are like five weeks later, six weeks later. Yeah, I get that too, right? But then at the same time, how much money did Pacific Rim make in this weekend? And you telling me an opening week of a movie barely oh, beat. Yeah, that's yeah, that's quote nuts. unquote. It's quote unquote yeah. like dethroned it after it's been on the, the top spot for like what feels, feels like two years. Um, so 
Uh, yeah, I've been I've been going through, and I had a couple off days, and I I watched like six movies. I I kind of I uh, got threw up in my mouth a little for Thor: The Dark World, but I did that early in the morning, and then later that night I did Guardians, and so it's I, I got to get through. I think Doctor Strange by this Friday to be caught up. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, I probably will be caught up and you know just full steam ahead. Yeah, I think you're doing it right. You know, marathon at your own pace until yeah. you get. To- April 27th. I was seeing like some of the marathon like stipulations for theaters and they're not even showing all the movies. Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> and it and it starts on a Wednesday. So you're there for two days. <laughs> yeah, I, I would never want to. It's too much at this point. Meh. <laughs> it's not that bad. No, I, well, dude, you, you did it for didn't you do it for the Avengers when there was like six movies? Oh, no, you yeah, did it, it Civil War when there was 12. Yeah, I mean, it was still 30-plus hours that we were in there. Yeah. So, yeah. That's nuts. I would say this, viewers, if you don't want to go full crazy and do it all in two days or do it, do every movie, just do yourself the, the pleasure and watch Guardians 1 and Avengers 2. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, I actually forgot how much Guardians 1 was, like, super Thanos-based. Like, completely, yeah. completely forgot. Also, Warren, close your ears right now. No, just don't talk about it. It's fine. Lee Pace is coming back. is running. Just announced today. We're going to yeah. see him 90s style. 90s blue. We're see someone else, too. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about that right now. Son of Cole. Um, <laughs> Warren is... <laughs> I think we. I think spo- spoiler alert: we have someone else in the ch- in the uh, the podcast tonight. <laughs> we do. So this gentleman, um, he is our founding father. Ah, his face is on Mount Rushmore of the Downfront podcast. Ah, the one, the only, the original, Warren Jackson. How's it going this evening? Uh, it's going very well. It's very great to see both of your faces. Uh, I was really sad that we missed both of you on Love, Simon, uh, which could be arguably one of the most important films of 2018. But I'm very excited to talk to you about this movie that I think has been getting a bad rap. But once the international numbers come out, people are going to be like, all right, shut me up, which is Pacific Rim. But I'm very, very excited to be here. Very excited to talk about this movie, uh, both number one and two. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And what you been uh, drinking and what you watching? So, I am currently drinking a Menage Trois at Decadence. Uh, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, and uh, this bottle will not make it through the night. Uh, other than that, <laughs> I was watching three <laughs> things. So, uh, Last Man on Earth came back on Hulu. Uh, freaking love that show. Thanks for a shout out to Guillermo because, God damn, I love that show so much. Um, Love came back season three. Uh, it's a show that's produced by uh, Judd Apatow and it's written in uh, like stars Paul Rust. To me, it's amazing. I love uh, everything about the show, just about everything about the show. And I think that anybody and everybody should probably watch the show because, at least in this show, it gives you a real life sort of um perspective on like how sometimes relationships takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of hard work and they show everything and anything about relationships from 
the ninth degree and about people battling like certain addictions and just about everything. So um, I really love that fact of it. I think we talked about it. So like a while back, but you know, we talked about this is 40 and how depressing this is 40 was stretch that out, make it a little bit more com- comedic, a little bit more humor based. And you have this show and it's pretty, pretty solid. Uh, and then I saw Tomb Raider. And um, I think majority of the reviews were like pretty accurate. I think it was kind of boring, but also better than the original Tomb Raider, which we had with Angelina, Angelina Jolie, which was. Meh. Yeah, meh. Uh, but I love the fact that the opening of this uh, movie really gave us like some serious with a girl power. It kind of fell off, but like it opened. She was like, oh, she's a badass. I think that's a badass. Alicia Vikander can do no work wrong. I think so. Um, I think that's pretty cool. And so that's what I'm watching. And uh, I'm excited to talk about Pacific Rim Uprising. Awesome. What I have been, I and have I introduced myself? Probably not. I nope. am Bryland. I am the mouth of the South. I'll be hosting tonight. Uh, what am I drinking right now? Well, I'll let you listen to it. Price noise. Price on the y'all. Kiwi strawberry fruit juice cocktail. One of my favorite flavors. Shit is because dope. this was literally at the AMPM down the street. This is literally the only flavor they had in the coolers. They had like twenty of these and no other flavors. So might as well try it out. They they know the price on the cane, y'all. And it tastes pretty good. I like it. But uh, what I've uh, been watching, well, actually went on a little culinary adventure over the weekend. So. I went to a burger joint and I tried what was called an impossible burger. An impossible burger is a burger made out of vegetables. And it's not like your vegetable patty that you see. This is a vegetable burger that's created to have the same texture as meat, bleed like meat, smell like meat, taste like meat. And it was scientifically developed at Stanford over five years. Uh, One of the interesting ingredients is it uses synthetic hemoglobin to make the bleeding effect happen. So I have eaten fake blood. Go figure. But uh, it's actually, I would say, it's about 90% towards being a good burger. Um, it is missing some things that I think some animal parts would actually make it taste correct. But uh, it's definitely worth trying out. If you ever find an impossible burger at one of your restaurants, definitely order it, try it, eat it, enjoy it. Uh, and going on that culinary adventure got me interested in a show called Ugly Delicious on Netflix. And I've watched uh, two episodes so far. It's hosted by Dave Chang, uh, Chef Dave Chang, who's kind of like one of these first chefs that it wasn't about like the high, uh, the high end restaurant experience is what makes a good restaurant. He's always been about, like, you can have a good restaurant if you just make great food, uh, whether it's a cart on the side of a street or if it's a little hole in the wall or if you're in the eatery in a mall, you can still make great food. Uh, And this show actually has him explore, like, different people's interpretations of the same style of food. So they'll be themed like pizza or tacos. And, like, for one episode, he goes and talks to a bunch of people, like, what do they think makes a great pizza? And he has them cook that pizza. Um, he even has them like try out like a Domino's pizza just to like say, you know what? For all the care and consideration you take into 
making the perfect pizza, something like Domino's still is like a great like pastime and it's like it's cost effective, but it still has good flavor that you can eat. And so it's a really interesting um show. He'll send some of his friends over to like the heart of wherever that food was actually discovered, like whether it's Mexico City for tacos or if it's Naples, Italy for pizza. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I like it a lot. And I think everybody should check it out. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I see that. And they're like, they have a ton of uh, like uh, advertisement for that for right now. Just like just popping up everywhere to kind of watch that. So I'm really excited. And I just found a place that's down the street from where I'm working this week that has the Impossible Burger. So best believe I'm getting that tomorrow for lunch. I'm so excited for that place. Go for it, man. I, I really, really dug it. And so with that, we're going to go ahead and before we dive into our review of Pacific Rim Uprising, I wanted to go around and just get everybody's thoughts about how did they feel about the first Pacific Rim? And then we're going to, and yeah, let me just hear Warren, what what did you think about the first Pacific Rim? Hated it. You hated it. Thoroughly hated it. And I think we're going to talk about some of this stuff of, uh, you know, this next movie, the Pacific uh, number two, you know, Uprising. But there was really two big glaring things that I didn't like about the first movie. One was, bro, give me more robots fighting because I signed up to watch robots fighting. Um, It's kind of like one of my issues that I have with Power Rangers that they only transform twice, but whatever. Anyways, um, it's like. We sign up for a movie that talks about what we're coming to do, and you only show me two, maybe three sequences of that. Like, I have a big issue with that. Um, And then my other biggest thing was it just really felt like it was a paint-by-numbers, very stereotypical. They kind of missed a lot of beats that they could have happened. They had, like, this gym, like, a diamond in a rough that it was like, oh, we're just going to, like, do something and not we're gonna take ourselves too seriously and not really kind of ramp up the humor um and the fact that you have the americans like the american jaeger and the jaegers for people who don't know are like the machines that they actually are fighting the kaju which are the godzilla or the big monsters that they're fighting the american jaeger has to be the best no matter the cost no matter whatever it is, it has to be the best. The um, Asian Jaeger is going to, of course, fight with swords and be all Japanese or Asian people. The Russian Jaeger, of like course, say that's be- not. No, I, the, the Europeans fought with swords for equally as long. Yeah, but in this movie, it was only Asian people piloting and fighting with swords. And the Russian people only spoke broken, broken English didn't make any fucking sense why and their Jaeger was super broke down as if it was like the Cold War sort of thing and I'm like why why are you doing this you don't need to do this at all just make it something very simple like in you know it it really kind of ramped that up and, it's, and it was just to a point where I thought the director Guillermo del Toro um, chose some weird reasons for things and it just really didn't make any sense and you know Idris Elba's character 
uh, you know, kind of made sense, but not really. And the sacrifice was like, okay, but really? So I, there was just a lot of stuff that I just didn't like with the movie at all for the number one. And I just felt like they were making, they wasn't sure what kind of movie they want to be kind of serious like Marvel, but still make an enjoyable movie or just be completely ridiculous. So everything about Pacific Rim number one was not vibing at all. All right. Thank you. Blew it. What were your thoughts on the first Pacific? I went full Warren, and uh, not only didn't watch the trailer, I didn't watch the first movie. That's not full Warren. (laughs) I watch watch movies. It's super Warren. I didn't watch anything that could give me any hints hints of what could happen in this movie. I'm like Goku, uh, Goku and Ising. What's that? Super Saiyaning on that one. Just Just stop. Just stop right now. <laughs> I will not see anything. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I like what you thought was bad, uh, Warren, but um, I loved the first Pacific Rim because it's one of those movies where Guillermo promised you robots punching monsters in the big robots punching monsters in the face. And that's what it was. And I had a lot of fun with it. It's it's silly. It's goofy. It's it has weird characters like Charlie Day and Burn Gorman. And but those characters, when you put them together, there's something there that's a lot of fun and endearing and cool about it. And I also thought, like, it's cool to see a relationship with Raleigh Beckett and Mako Mori uh, where they're not falling in love. They just have to find this mutual respect with one another to actually pilot the Jaeger, but also win the war. Uh, And it also builds a really cool universe, just having this uh, thing where it's uh, the whole, like, West Coast and the East Coast of Asia having to come together to actually tackle this common enemy and stuff. I thought the whole idea of, like, building something like a Shatter Dome and having the different names of the Jaegers and everything with some really cool world building and even like the names of the characters like Stacker Pentecost and Raleigh Beckett. I thought, yeah, that's silly. That's goofy, but this is a lot of fun. And it showed this like, this is Guillermo del Toro's fun side. It's not being serious or anything. He's just enjoying what he's doing and he wants you to enjoy it too. It definitely didn't make it up that much money in the U S it made only about a hundred million dollars, I think. But, uh, thank you, China for coming in. And making a lot more money and enjoying this movie because oh my gosh, this is why we have Pacific Rim Uprising. And we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back to talk about it. We are here to review Pacific Rim Uprising, directed by Stephen S. Denight, written by Stephen S. Denight, 
uh, executive produced by Guillermo del Toro, uh, starring John Boyega and another and a lot of other people that I don't really know their names except for Charlie Day. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's very fair. Yep. So. So let's get into this, and we're going to just share, what did we overall think about Pacific Rim Uprising? Uh, Mr. Blewett, how about you start us off? Yeah, uh, I'll give it this. So coming without any sort of prior knowledge of, like, these films, um, you didn't really need to. Like, there there wasn't, it, it didn't really leverage a whole lot on past experiences, which is nice. Um, that being said, I, I thought realistically, like John Boyega was like the only good thing about this movie. Uh, I had some, I kind of want to get into the, well, let's some of the, let's, let's get into John Boyega for a second. Yeah. 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 We, he, he deserves his own little category. Um, which I think it's remarkable that he put. Well, I mean, I guess maybe this movie is the reason why he wasn't in Star Wars and he was kind of lackluster there. He was off on Canto Bite the whole time. He didn't matter. It's, it was, that storyline was dumb. Let's not go down that route because I think you're wrong, but all right. Yeah, I'm just, apparently I'm going to be Guillermo today. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Guillermo Duras. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just don't get it. No, I can't. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, he is. Uh, definitely unbelievably charismatic in that showed. Like, he had good chemistry, if not... It, it wasn't reciprocated, I thought, but, like, he had good chemistry with almost everyone he interacted with. Um, he played the action well. They didn't really shoehorn, like, any stupid romance in there, which was, I thought, good writing. In a, in a, in a movie that has... Robots punching monsters, you don't need a love story. And I thought it was I thought it was actually good writing to have him like have that what was that? Was she kisses both of them on the cheek and he's like, Well that's confusing. Like yeah. I thought I thought the quips were very, very British and very, you know, cheeky, if you will. Um yeah, I thought um it was it was really cool to see him still be like, Oh, beautiful woman, like, well, wonder if I have a chance with her. And it's like Obviously, you don't because she has a boyfriend right there standing in front of you. But they did handle that really, really well. Never got really where he was being super flirtation, trying to take her away from him or um, became like a love triangle issue yeah. or anything like did, that. Was Boyega in the first one? No. no. See, he was just like the referenced son. He was, Yeah, but he was too young as Boyega sort of thing. I don't even know if he was referenced. I mean, I may have to go back or even ask Abbott. I don't think he was referenced at all. Um, yeah, the first one, all you know is uh, Stacker Pentecost saves Makamori and mm. raises. That's all you know. Okay. Yeah, I think I thought. I mean, it seemed like they they, you know, kind of incorporated them pretty seamlessly. Like it 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 made sense. It made logical sense. But I guess I've not seen the first one. It's kind of like that bridge is hard for me to make, but I, I wasn't lost, which is, is decent filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, Warren, what do you think about John Boyega and Friends? 
I loved John Boyega and Friends. It felt like they took the bit of the restriction plate on him from Star Wars, gave him a little bit more time to kind of breathe and kind of flush his role out a little bit to play a much more supporting. I don't think he's quite the lead. He's very much a lead, but not fully. You know, he's not like Ray in this film, right? I don't think he's like the actual lead, but very much up there. Um, I just love that it felt that they wrote a lot of lines that was, hey, walk this scene. You're trying to do uh, or make the audience feel like this particular action or you're trying to do like this particular kind of emotion or play like this kind of smug, but like you're having a good time. And I think it was really fun to see him in the scene in which, you know, he opens up and he talks about, I am not my father. Right. And he goes through and the the sriracha joke and the uh shit what was the other two things what was the other oh, two awesome. things the, the sriracha Trading joke the uh, yeah like all this like weird stuff so he finally goes to a base that he has all these supplies they have all the resources so he's just like go oh, having a good time he's gonna eat himself an ice cream like an ice cream shake with a bunch of skittles he does a salt bay with the skittles and all this stuff that just like this dude's just having fun having a good time and you like can clearly improvised. see yeah, exactly. But you can clearly see he not only he's having a good time, but we're we're listening that from the character. This this character does not care at this moment. Obviously, you know he's going to come back at some point, right? And there's going to be a, something to make him care. But he's just having a good time, like super carefree, and just doesn't give a shit. And it was very enjoyable to see him. They also did a bit of the Marvel a little bit of like breaking up comedic beats to break up uh, serious moments in the actual film, and I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, and I just like the majority of his character. Now, are there issues with his character? Yes. Eh, we can talk about it later. But I did just enjoy watching him. I think it's clearly evident now that, you know, from Detroit and from his other films that he's been in, mainly Detroit, now this, right, and Star Wars, like, this dude is going to be a force to, awake, to, like, reckon with. Or to awaken. Oh. And uh, it's nice to see him in a role that's not focused on Star Wars mythology or a very heavy subject. It's very heavy subject. So it's nice to see him in the middle. Have fun with something kind of sci-fi and really kind of drive the story because ultimately we're trying to find more about him and everything else. Uh, and in even in, I know that we talked about this before, but we are going to spoil this movie. Yes. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, even when his sister dies, right? It was they. They even t- took a moment in the movie to really, really flush that out and says, "Oh, we were like, you know, he he raised her, like blah blah blah." But no, we're we're family. Like that's that's who we are, and we're family. And I think they they kind of went a little bit too much Fast and Furious because. The main guy, the other main guy, Nate, was in the last Fast and Furious movie, so that was kind of funny. But they kind of went a little bit too much Fast and Furious, we're family. But it was a nice um, comparison to talk about the fact that you have these adopted, um, had this adopted woman who's like, associate, like, like automatically in your family of somebody who lost his father, but he gained a sister sort of thing. And now you have these recruits that are the last people left that can actually help out anybody for to, to pilot these Jaegers that are family. Um, and they raised the stakes and think 
goodness that they at least raised the stakes that it mattered. Because that was one of my big issues that I didn't care too much about the first movie, that you can tell who was going to die in the first movie. I knew who was going to die in there. It made sense. I did not know that kid was going to die in this movie. And I was like, oh, that sucks. The Indian kid? Yeah. Totally knew that. Well, they made it. All those kids could have been cannon fodder. Yeah. I thought they were. Here's the thing. I thought they were all going to die. But the fact that they killed one off, they made a couple of jokes about death. And you make a joke about death and you take it lightly. And then it actually happens. But they also don't pay it off. But whatever. But you, you actually go through with that. And I was like. Ooh, that kind of that's a that's a little dark. But I you know, I appreciate that. You know, that's just like overall wins. I know we're gonna get into some more specifics, but John Boyega in cast. Um, I mean I'm really glad to see him in more work. I'm I'll be excited to see him in a lot of other stuff. I'm really really he doesn't really get typecasted in either the Star Wars stuff or the heavy stereotypical black guy stuff. I wanna see him in more stuff that like maybe he's a black guy that's happy, you know? Um <laughs> That'd be nice to see him in. Yeah. And I'm going to third uh, just the love for John Boyega. Like um, one of the first movies I saw that uh, really um, got me uh, noticing him was Attack the Block, where he's the lead as well. That's also a sci-fi movie. Um, but um, it's really cool to when they do make John Boyega a lead because he definitely has the energy and the charisma to pull it off. And even with this type of subject matter where um like you said like i mean this is stacker pentecost son stacker pentecost is this stoic like by the book uh grand marshal of jaeger pilots and stuff hero among heroes super captain america type of person and uh, just start off with having john boyega or jake not be that at all was i thought a fun ride um it, i feel like that like this opening when you are dealing with kids and robots that transform, usually nightmares of Transformers movies come up. But this is how you do it. This is how you make it fun. And uh, they did a really good job of just having this like neat little chase with um, these black market traders versus uh, the government people and seeing this like little uh, robot be able to transform and run through the city and actually dodge and duck uh, this giant Jaeger. It's a lot of fun. A lot of it, it is very entertaining as well. Um, I thought like John Boyega and even Scott Eastwood, they had some really good uh, solid moments too as this team. And I, I like that Scott Eastwood, he was the uh, by the book Jaeger pilot, but he knows what Jake's capable of. He doesn't treat him like his foil or anything. He knows like, Hey, we got to work together. And I know you're being a little bit of a dick right now, but you know what? That's who you are. I'm going to accept that. Uh, we're just got to figure out how we're going to make it work, too. Uh, and that's actually something I wish they kind of explored a little bit more. I wish they actually brought out that relationship between Scott Eastwood and um, John Boyega a bit more as well. Uh, but I thought it was really cool that they actually had some uh, younger actors here. That did really well. Uh, her name is Callie Spanny, uh, who plays Amara, who build, who's the little tech genius that builds her own Jaeger. Uh, I, I kind of this is kind of like her movie in some places, where it's about like, is she someone that's capable of doing these things that 
um, she only has heard of in stories as a kid and everything. And she has a similar like path that like Mako had in the first one where she saw her whole family killed by Kaiju. And it's like, how can she overcome that to become a Jaeger pilot? Um, and I also thought, uh, I, you know what? I didn't see the twist, the twist of, uh, Charlie day becoming the bad guy no. coming out of nowhere. I had no and idea. I thought that was a really cool, like setup for it. I thought, okay, they closed the rift in the first one. How are you going to bring back this threat? Um, if it's finally closed, then I thought they did a very clever way of like, yeah, you had all these old black market kaiju parts and the transference or that connection they had between the kaiju brain, they actually paid that off here too. Uh, and so it actually makes like kind of what they set up in Pacific Rim, the first one, actually stronger to have it the way they did it here as well. So and I thought Charlie Day as like the mustache twirling villain was actually a lot of fun. He was ridiculous enough that there was some parts that I like almost work. I almost wish he was more ridiculous and over the top because for me, him playing Charlie Kelly, which he pretty much just did, you know, kind of like this even alluded to it, how he was like, yeah, I had to be, be like the bumbling idiot so that no one would sus- suspect me. Um, and it's just all I can see. Uh, like the entire time I thought Mac was going to come in and tell him to go clean the toilets. Like <laughs> I, I could not. It's, uh, Warren was talking about John Boyega getting typecast. Like I could not for the life of me not see Charlie Day in this. And so, yeah, it made the twist hit a little harder because um, <laughs> no way that guy was the villain, you know. But uh, at the same point, like it. He, he he wasn't scary enough when he needed to be. You know, when he was, like, talking about ending the world, it was still, like, kind of lighthearted and silly. And, like... It felt like something you'd see on Always Sunny. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> were, like you know, the gang that. ends the world. You know, like... You know, like <laughs> the gang goes to Pacific Rim. Yeah, right? it's like... it To me, I think the casting was was uh, on point and the twist was really good. It's this weird like middle ground between character and writing that like missed for missed somehow. I enjoyed because you also didn't see the twist. I also enjoyed a lot of the small misdirections they have put in this movie. And I think, did you guys pick up on what they were alluding to that? uh, At least, I mean, how about this? I picked up on when Charlie Day's character came home. I thought for sure they were going to say that his wife was like cheating on him with this Alice. And he was like really excited to kind of see him. Did you pick up on that at all? No, I thought his boss was going to be in the other room because he was like, uh, he was like ripping on her. And I thought she was going to be there. And she, let's see, the misdirection works because I think everyone thought she was going to be the, the bad guy. Yeah, I think that was pretty cool. I'm like, I'm glad they kind of put that in. Even they even did another misdirection, as I think everybody thought that they were just going to reopen the portal, and that's going to be it. But it closed pretty immediately. It's like, oh, so what's the issue? Oh, okay, and I get the technology. And that was that was, was kind of well, dumb because like they're closing. Well, so first of all, I I couldn't stand that that like we only got what three four fight scenes in this movie. Yeah, more uh, than the first though. Four was four fight scenes. One more Jaegers arrived, so the the rogue one just left. You know, he just peaced. 
Um, the second one was kind of cool. The third one was the drones, and that was like legit. They just they like stop command and then pressed on a keyboard yeah. and then they're like done. And the only reason they closed that was uh, so early was so they didn't have to pay the freaking expense bill to have like 19 more kaiju. Like it was literally like, hey, we need to We only stu- have a budget for three. Yeah, we only, have a, we only have a budget for three. How can we like keep this from happening? And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, they had the guy get cut in half and stuff. Like, like that to me, that was such a cop out where like, so I didn't know about that about the first one, but like you might in the second one, you always have to go bigger and badder. And so they did it with one, but it would have been kind of cool to see like 50 kaiju, you know, and just make it utterly ridiculous. I was really hoping that they were going to do like the 50 and you knew that 80% of those kaiju and 80% of the Jaegers are going to get destroyed. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's going to be fine. But do you guys also get a sense that I mean, in in this movie, I sat there and I sat back and said, this is kind of what a Transformers movie should be. Like, yeah, I I thought this was a better <laughs> version. Of, I was getting really like PTSD from watching Transformers last year, but I'm like, this should be like Transformers, Transformers movies, but even better. And it was better. I thought it like the story, like stories, literally everything about this movie was better than just about any Transformers movie that came out. Maybe so, not number one, but all the other ones. So I'll give you I'll give you that. I I totally I mean there's no way you have giant robots like those that they the Transformers are the the kings of the giant robot stage, if you will. Um and these guys are a nice nice addition to it, but whatever. Um I'll even give this one of our huge criticisms of what was that? Age of Extinction? Age of Apocalypse? Age of Ultron? Age of... Well, no, wait. Age of Extinction. Age of Extinction. Is yeah, okay, okay. So Age of Extinction. Remember, like, they had the little girl in it, and then she was, like, a huge part of the first part, and then she, like, went away, and then randomly <laughs> came back at the end. I'll give it to him in this one. I thought that the girl was just going to be gone and then come back at the end. And they like, luckily they were smart about it. And they're like, no, 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 let's keep one of our main characters actually in the plot of the, of the, you know, the story for longer than the book ends. Um, I thought it was interesting. They at least kind of introduced that character so early in her incompatibility to what's the verbiage I used to hand, the handshake. Yeah. Right? The neural handshake. Neural handshake, right. So immediately when they mentioned that, and immediately when they mentioned that you can pilot a Jaeger by yourself that's small enough, I said, well, this bitch is going to come back, right? So when, when is this bitch going to come back so I can get over it? And sure enough, I was like, all right. But that was a cool sequence at the end. I thought that was very fun. I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, just to the fact that you can see that the actresses, the actress, I don't remember her name, but she's in that, she's probably in a rig on set, like, yeah, doing that for like uh, over an hour. Come on. That's so fucking funny. But I think, I think they just had a lot of fun with that movie. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, uh, adding the shall corporation was really cool because, um, like in the first one you had like this third entity was to us, the black market. On uh, this one, you have the corporation that's actually built technology that's going to make everything obsolete now. And I thought it was really cool to d- show that part of the world as well. But also, it also added to like 
Warren, that you mentioned that the first one didn't do that well, which was having it be very multilingual and multicultural as well, and just like a blend of all these different cultures that come together. Yeah, the Shattered Dome must might be in China now, but all the Yeagers there come from different parts of the world and everything. And all the pilots, regardless of their background, they're going to pilot the one that their skills are best suited for. Um, yeah, they'll speak Mandarin, but they, I mean, they know English and everything can speak English, but it's a matter of respect and honor and like getting ahead that, Hey, if you're not going to get good at this language, how should I respect you in your own language as well? Which I thought was a really good call out. Yeah, the, the fact that, you know, you even talk about that in the, one of the Asian characters teaches a white American character Russian words to talk to a Russian character was already miles away from like such a diverse um, sort of showing, especially because Pacific Rim, the number one, starts off with two American white guys that we follow this American white guy all the way through that uh everybody else tend to save his life that were all different colors and different races and different genders uh all and in the end the american white guy was the hero and i'm like all right i i fucking get it like we get it so i like the fact that they made this movie diverse they made it different everybody was a lot of different shapes and colors and sizes and um even like the command center and the guy who like was all, like head of that particular base was Japanese. He died, but I thought that was like so pretty awesome. The fact that they made it so diverse across the entire board, like all those kids were like all over the place. And um, yeah, or if you they, look at Jake Pentecost, uh, yeah, a black British guy that grew up in Tokyo, who can definitely be Idris Elba's son. And I yes. thought this even is even had the cre- same haircut. Yeah, this is a little creepy. It's they could be father and son. So I think that's pretty awesome to put them kind of in the same movie, but not really, right? They're definitely not, but it's close. It's very close. And I like at least that they kind of made that effort to say, oh, he's his son because this guy's a badass and hopefully this guy's a fuck up. All right, whatever. And then he in, in turns to be a badass, but we're not entirely sure why it's in his genes. But at least they didn't really make it so that he can do like Boyega's character, Jake, because he's has the same blood as the, um, you know, father Pentecost. It makes him better. No, it was nice to see him like take a step back and support everybody else and says, I'm nothing special. And he actually says that a lot of, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like my father. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's also really cool about that, that, um, it doesn't ultimately end up, being about him finding the idea that solves everything. It is truly a team effort. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not like, oh, he comes in and he has the magic Pentecost powers that save everybody. Um, yeah, they got to put their heads together and figure out, hey, what do we do here? Uh, so it was really cool to see like teamwork in a movie. It's really good. Uh, any... Oh yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, like the the last real big thing that I wanted to talk about in this movie is the the plot. Um, yeah, I mean, I've said big expectations set. <laughs> um, it moved so fast, 
Like, so, and there's a couple things for that. Like, realistically, you could have given me an hour and 45 minutes, two hours of just robots punching monsters. Like, the hole opened up and then just spend the next two hours doing that. Like, I I would have been fine with that as a plot. Like, what I think what we really got was a movie that it had an end goal and it had an end emotional status. Like, you had to get... Uh, Boyega and what's her like movie role? Uh, uh, Namini. Uh, like you had to get them on the same page and like not a weird way because like the whole you know grown man teenager thing. Um, there really wasn't like an emotional growth. Like they had this great scene in the middle where they were practicing, um, and the whole thing fell apart, and you never saw them bridge the gap. You never saw them like reconnect with each other. And then be able to like, uh, what's it called? Drift together in the final scene. They just kind of, he walked in, he's like, all right, suit up. And then they just linked up, you know, there, there was, uh-huh. y- you, you needed to see more struggle. And so I think this is the huge part where I don't know where this movie was marketed towards because it had, you could have cut two of the, this movie in half. You had the kids and then you had Boyega and uh, Eastwood. And you like Warren said it earlier, like I that's a great idea. I would have loved to have seen Boyega try and be this like tough guy, you know, outsider um, who who's talented and see Eastwood like walk the line of like trying to be the tough guy, like by the book guy, but also realize that he has to break through so they can operate together. And then watch, you could, on the flip side, have Boyega realize that his, like, recklessness is dumb because he now has to pair up and work with Eastwood's character, Lambert, right, Um, to, like, form a cohesive team. On the other side, you could have made a movie for purely teenagers and just have a group of kids that gets dropped off in, like, you know, like, uh, Starship Troopers, almost how that was. and then Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, just make it like a coming-of-age film of, like, all these different uh, people and how they have to work together. And then all of a sudden, all the adults are dead, and so they have to take the, uh, you know, the uh, Jaegers and then save the world. It, it felt like like the whole, the, the Russian girl, you know, they were in the middle of it, they were kicking each other's butts, and then at the end, they kind of, without saying anything, were like, all right, well, we have to work together. I thought they missed an opportunity to have um, Namini and the Russian girl be the ones who have to link up. Like, it, it almost felt like the Russian girl was a tertiary uh, person in that, and she kind of dropped away and did her own thing. Like, they should have had them, too. Um, I'd, what I, I did say earlier, the one death I thought was going to happen was the Russian. I thought she was going to save herself for a mini. I'm mixed feelings because I think they could have done that well. It's, like, cliche, uh, which is not a great thing, but at the same point, like, it would have had an actual emotional payoff, you know, versus, like, nothing... They again, they started one place and then ended another, and then just kind of were like, don't look too carefully because it doesn't make sense on how we ended up here. Um, what was yeah, that? It's like they didn't know if they wanted to make Top Gun or the Monster Squad, yeah, yeah, those are references to movies, one of which I've seen. Um, so <laughs> but but again, you know, there was and then there was the villains, which I actually think they handled well, uh, besides from Charlie Kelly being Charlie Day. Um, and I think we weirdly enough spent an appropriate amount of time with them throughout the, the plot. Uh, like they felt pretty developed. Like I understood their motivations and everything. Um, 
I would have loved to have. Do they talk about the precursors in the first one? Yeah, I don't know if they mentioned the name precursor, but um, Charlie Day and Gottlieb, they they touched one. It's in man. They the way that they talk about the precursors in this movie made it seem like we knew exactly who the precursors were in the <laughs> yeah. first movie, really? and I was All like, right. "Wait, hold on, hold on." <laughs> It's like wait, 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 bitch. We, I think we got less than a minute and a half, so less than ninety seconds of precursor talk in the first movie. Yeah, but what's interesting is they counterbalance like something like that with a great scene where like Charlie Day, I mean, talks to um, Gottlieb and says, "Hey, I want you to meet Alice and everything," and then he goes back to his apartment and you walk in. He starts talking to Alice, and you see Alice is a kaiju brain, and you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> He's still doing it. And so that's a, purely enough you need to like get you going to the next part. Right, right. Yeah, use, the, use that information. I was really bummed they didn't expand on that information at all. Like, literally, we have no idea. Like, um, Charlie Day's uh, right hand, like his scientist guy, he kind of sort of figured it out, but it's like... You know, I think they put in a good amount of information of why, right? They the kaiju brains needed to have access to somebody who knows who knew all the uh, Jaeger technology and all this information that was there. And I was like, oh, they're it looks like they're like kind of planting the seeds, but they didn't quite fully execute what they were mentioning because we have no like. Alice was never mentioned. Any of that stuff was never mentioned. I even thought it was interesting of they put in the script that he invited him over to meet Alice. And I thought that was interesting because he wanted to, to show that we had this connection. They had a moment where they shared brains for a moment in the first movie. They they drifted together. And I thought they were going to expand upon that. And they just kind of didn't really care. I don't think they... I didn't think they like looked at it too much. It was like, eh, let's get to hopefully more like battles, right? Um, so I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. But one, yeah. one I mean, last, that last third just moves way too fast. Once Charlie Day reveals himself, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. All right, we're opening rifts. We're getting kaiju out here. All right, well, we got to have a big battle and everything. Oh, let's take three kaiju and make one big giant kaiju. And then the movie's over. Yeah, and it's just like they put all of their bells and all the stuff they had uh, into the final third and just shot it out of a cannon. Can which you- I was like, "Hey, slow it down so we can think about uh, or give us like points leading up to that." Which kind of like kind of look at like Charlie Day. Oh, he's doing some weird stuff. What is he exactly doing? Like, get our brains going to think about what he might be up to. I guess you raise a good point where, like, Charlie Day is always going to do weird stuff. And so there's there's never that spidey sense that goes off with him that, like, oh, he's a weird guy. Uh, I'll say this. You you raise an excellent point that most of the, like, the best twists out there, the most well-written, you can generally look back and be like, oh, why didn't I see that? You know, you have that that visceral, like, yup, that's what that meant. That's And there was none of that. There was no, there was nothing that could have told you. Um, Not not even from the first film either. I liked liked the twist they had, but I wanted more build-up and 
uh, more prolonged execution of. Yeah. See, it'd be funny. It'd be funny right now if we had like Mocha that was in the room with me and then he just started speaking on my behalf. Like it'd be a good twist because I think Mocha is very well spoken, but Uh there was no, there'd be no previous indication that that twist was going to happen. Um, and then you're like, wait, why is Mocha? Wait, does Mocha live? Does Mocha live? Yeah, with are you, Mocha in it, right the it, same person? We've we've never seen them together. That's a lie. He's, we've seen us together all the time in the previews. Um, one last thing on the plot that I just thought of. Uh, it's tangentially related to the the plot. What perfect. what does the title of the movie mean? Um, that's a great question. Um, like it wasn't like an uprising. It was more like it was more like Pacific Rim Defender, like not not quite. So homecoming. I yeah. well, not quite right. I, I think the Pacific Rim was the outer rim of all the stuff, and technically, at the time, the kaiju was completely erased, and they were rising up to power to take over and destroy the world. I, 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 I mean, it's from it's from like the kaiju sort of perspective and the title, I think. But like you could make that the subtitle for the first one, because that was like like taking Gears of War, another medium. They had Emergence Day, but they didn't have not, like secondary Emergence Day. Or you could have done it for the, the third movie when the humans go after the precursors, because usually usually you don't title the movies based on like the nameless antagonists, you know? Well. I would say the first movie, right? The kaiju was already there. There was some weird, slightly emergence, and you can literally say Pacific Rim emergence or Pacific Rim arrival or Pacific Rim awakening because they were still there. They were definitely there. It was just kind of random, kind of bits and pieces. This one, they were completely just—they've been gone for years, and this is the first time we've seen them ever. In a, a good amount of years, to the point where people like kind of sort of stopped training, who didn't give a shit, right? And now the next one could have been like the final act or final chapter, something to do with like ending or Judgment Day or Devastation, something silly name, right? But the next one could be like the ending, sort of bookend to the entire trilogy. And I, and because in that's going to be interesting to see if they're going to have to, how are they going to figure out how to open up that void and they send like fifty Jaegers over there to then just destroy shit. Well, that's um, that's a hard go. one because you you got to go like two ways. Does Pacific Rim One become the outlier because it has almost no carryover actors to the second one? Because you know clearly John Boyega is going to be in the third one. And he's gonna go yes. kick some precursor tail. So, there was one carryover actor who died, so there yeah, could be another one yeah. carryover actor who then dies. It's, I mean, it's probably gonna be spoiler more. Spoiler alert: one. John Boyega dies. Is that what you're saying in Pacific Rim Three? <laughs> Pacific Rim Three: John Boyega dies. Yeah, are you <laughs> spoiling a movie that hasn't been even been written yet? Yeah, um, no, he needs to die. It's interesting, uh, yeah, or yeah, he'll he become does. the Grand Marshal and he's a supportive role, and uh, the young kids take over. And it's the new class. Right. It just was, seems uh, weird that, like, this series shouldn't go for more than a trilogy, right? Like, yeah. honestly, just don't overstay your welcome. Just make three of these, finish the story, get on to another project. And it just seems weird to, ha- like, introduce the mainstays in the second one. I mean, I know they're going to make nine of these, you know, and, and have 
400 different like weird storylines that we have to do. I know that they're going to do this, but I th- I think it should have been like Pacific Rim Emergence, Pacific Rim uh, Redux, Pacific Rim Uprising, and then it and then end. You're done. You're you're good. You killed the precursor, and you're on to the next thing. I see that. I'm also going to do like a, just a slight rebuttal on that because I really think John Boyega should have died in this character and the main little girl character just carry on his um, will to destroy these kaiju for good. And that gives her even better and like more motivation for the third movie. The third and final should be movie. They um they I think they'd get accused of copying the first one too much. Like another, I mean, another Pentecost sacrifices his life. Well, they even did. Uh, they did a good amount of copying from the first one. I thought it was kind of funny of uh, Charlie Hunnam's character. I can't remember his name. Um, okay. Raleigh. He. What was his name? Raleigh Beckett. Raleigh Beckett. I okay. love the names. <laughs> yeah, the first the first one names are really fun. The second one, not so much. Um, but. He controlled that Jaeger for how long by himself? Like a long ass time. And that was like the opening, like 20. Yeah, that was like the opening 25, 30 minutes because his brother died. And I think they used, and I think they completely abandoned this idea, by the way, completely threw it away. But they used siblings in the first movie because they had a stronger connection to, (laughs) to drift together. And now... And uh, in this movie, they're like, no, let's see who's compatible. Okay. Um, yeah, I connect them while they're young. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, th- I, thought, I thought they were like at least trying to do something a little bit uh, deeper. Probably not. But hear me out. I was hoping that they would at least go to the more um, emotional state because you have the little girl. I can't remember her name. Samara, I want to say. I think it's Amara. Amara, she loses her parents to Kaiju, and Jake loses his parents to Kaiju. And if they can bond from that, if that's what connects them to make them drift like um, capable, even stronger than Jake and the other guy, Scott Eastwood. Yes, Eastwood. Lambert. If Jake and Eastwood's Lambert's character, if they at least showed one quick graphic of, or even said a line, oh, they said it to Jake and Eastwood's character's drift compatibility was like, it's not strong, but it's holding, right? And then later on, they says, oh my gosh, we never, like, it, like it's off the scales, like, the, the computer, like, explodes, like, very it's hilarious. 9, it's over 9,000! <laughs> I think it would have been fun, like, that's a way to talk about, like, She's he's in her head. She jumps and he catches her in that dream sequence. He she is there as his weird surrogate mother character because she he has a friend after his father passes away or after his sister dies. I think they could have definitely kind of bridged that gap a little bit easier. And I think it would have made the drifting uh, together in the end sequence way more impactful. And I think that would have showed a lot more character growth. Doesn't happen. They're still the same sort of like, and maybe it was like, maybe they're bonding because they're both outliers. They're outcasts. They're kind of born in the the wrong time. You know, who knows? But I think that would have been cool. 
Yeah, I think that's actually one of the things that the first movie does better than this movie is they do have that that journey of empathy and emotional connection between Mako and Raleigh, which they have a payoff for at the end. Um, and yeah, they it, you really don't have that. You just they assume since Jake and Lambert are both Rangers, yeah, they know how to do this and they do their thing. Um, Jake teaching Amara how to do it. She gets trapped in her mind and he has to kind of talk her out of it, but it eventually is only up to her to, in order to actually figure out how to do that. And we so, never see that though. We never see Amara like make peace with that day. You don't get that moment, which is necessary, I think, to but to pay off the neural handshake. Right. You just see her connect with Victoria and the other guy. Yeah, you never see her like because it seems like the handshake's all predicated on her getting past that memory, and then she never does in front of us. But then we have to just assume that she does when she handshakes Finn. Have we all been calling him? We nobody called him Finn except you. That was the first time. That's fair. The line that she says. Make sure it's big. Really? <laughs> really? That's in this movie? Yeah. Honestly, I didn't hate that line. It was pretty funny. Best line was uh, Jake saying uh, Lambert is handsome and pretty. And has I thought that was, I thought I was oh, funny. Oh, that's why. I also, <laughs> but I also was like, that's Poe Dameron. Like, y- your relationship is much closer to Poe. That In those moments, blew it, yes. That's for sure Finn. And I'm like, that's Finn for sure. Like, that's so way his, too much Finn His now. name is Jake, and I confused him with his other big character, Finn. It's just Adventure Time. It all comes back. Oh, bro, bro. <laughs> References to shows that people my age do not watch or have not watched. <laughs> God damn it, Blue It. Shut up. Don't even watch that fucking show. Shut up. All right, we're going to have to take a two-hour break while Warren just calms himself down. I got to clean All right, please. <laughs> so, final thoughts, everybody. All at one time. Watch it when it comes out on, on DVD. I, I, I didn't think it was worth it. Um, don't spend money, but at least go watch the movie uh, just to see... Some of the movies that are doing a little bit more different things, I'm glad they, they kind of crushed some of the stereotypes of being able to control Jaegers by yourself. They kind of like, well, I guess it depends on the size. They didn't really care too much of what the all the things, like all the rules that was established in the first one, but they at least tried to establish their own rules. I was impressed they put more humor in this movie, and they wanted to seem to be enjoying themselves a bit more. Um it's still not a very good movie, let's be honest, but I appreciate the effort, and I had fun with it. I thought it was entertaining. This is like the stereotypical popcorn flick for sure, because you don't watch this for the plot, because there's too many holes, and the moment you start thinking about it, you're like, why have I watched this movie? So if you can watch it at like a dollar theater, or if you can watch it at like a group showing, you can kind of drink and like talk about this movie throughout. I think it's a very fun group showing movie for you. Nice. Uh, I would say if you liked the first Pacific Rim, you definitely want to go out there and see this movie. Um, It definitely takes all the strengths of the first movie and builds upon those and continues to build the world. 
and gives a one of those rare sequels that's actually i would say is better than the first one and so it actually builds upon a strong foundation a strong world where they could always explore what other stories are here it's going to be silly it's going to be dumb and i think that's one of the fun things about it is that it's not trying to take itself serious at all it just wants to have fun um and that's uh that's one thing i kind of appreciate about this series is that with all the pressure and the push to make movies mean something and make movies have some type of like lesson to take away from it let's still have room for just the dumb silly fun popcorn flicks as well and so let's make sure those are happening too um china help us out again who wants to see part three Oh, they will. Yeah, this China, is gonna make a, China dropping six hundred mil. This is going to make a lot of money on China, this huh? money. Make <laughs> movies great again. Giant robots, big monsters. I'm there. All they the got time. it. Oh, for sure. Alrighty. And with that, we have been the Downfront Podcast. We are going to call it a night, Mister Blewett. Where can we find you shredding? Uh, you can find me at My News Music and My News uh, Band on most major platforms. It's not under one, it's under the other. Uh, I just had, you know, issues. Some people like My News. Um, I like, my, a, I like your name, news. <laughs> we, uh, uh, <laughs> we just finished like tracking her. vocals for the last song. Uh, it is uh, keep an eye out for it because literally the backing vocals are just all characters from The Lion King. It sounds terrible, but it works. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Is it The Lion King with Childish Gambino? No, although I, I could get behind that. That movie hasn't come out yet. Don't no. scare me. It's not um, a movie, is it? Yeah. I thought it was Broadway. No, they're, yeah, they're doing the they're doing the full movie. Is it a live action movie? It's like uh, Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah. And Beauty and the Beast. You're ready. And then, uh, as far as email, uh, I have a fan email account. This time, uh, you can email me at uh, Charlie Day's Arm Tattoos uh, at ymail.com. Nice, nice. And I am the mouth of South Bryland. Uh, you can find me punching big monsters in the face on Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. I also have an Instagram account. I am Bryland until further notice. Who knows? Because uh, the way Facebook's going, it not exist anytime soon. Um, but it, while it exists, I'll put up many memory reviews uh, for y'all to read. And when I'm not in California, I am the host of the Gamescast, twitch.tv slash podcast. Uh, can't get on there right now, but I'll let you know what I'm playing right now is Bayonetta on the Nintendo Switch. It's my first time playing through it, and it's a lot of fun. And if you thought the plot of Pacific Rim Uprising was hard to follow, play Bayonetta, and that'll take <laughs> <headaches. laughs> Nice. Cool. And Warren, how about you tell everybody where they can find the rest of our wonderful work? The weather I want for work, you can find it just about everywhere. Definitely, definitely check out downfrontpodcast.com where we put a bunch of our links, video teasers, SoundCloud, GameCast, like literally anything and everything we do. Please go check that out. Please like our page. Please follow us. It's going to be amazing. We try to update that as much as possible. For our email, if you want any questions or Arizona Ice Tea, he is looking at you. If you want to endorse us, downfrontpodcast.com. Oh, 
and downfrontpodcast at gmail.com. So definitely go check us out. Price is on the can. Awesome, yeah. 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 The price is on the can. And speaking of that, if you want to help us kind of continue making the show, we literally put anything and everything we get straight back into the show from watching movies to hosting fees and everything. Definitely check us out. Definitely become a patron. Definitely go and follow us as well. We have the official price is on the can tier award so that you actually will be joined into our group discord and we just chat about movies tv like everything nerdy stuff as possible and we do talk about more of our last call there so if you do want to kind of join in on us you don't have to be a patron to join the last call just to receive the recording definitely check that out patreon.com slash down the front podcast twitter underscore dafp uh, and facebook facebook.com slash down the front podcast i would say a huge shout out to thanks so much from the shredder blew it his SoundCloud and our music that we have up there is absolutely amazing. Uh, I was showing my mom that when the last time I was there, she actually liked it. She downloaded some of them on her computer. I'm not entirely sure what she's going to do with that, but she likes it. So I think that's actually pretty cool. So definitely go check that. So check it out on SoundCloud. Check out more of our work. I'm super excited for everybody. Uh, and I'm also super excited that me and Abbott are approaching 200 hours of playing Monster Hunter. Jesus. That's- <laughs> yeah, more hours than I put in The Witcher. Yeah, and I'm not even home. I'm not. I have been traveling a good amount, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited for everybody to kind of listen and to love us. And we want to say thank you so much. And we have a Donna from podcast. And we will see you later. Doom 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 do